try to limit time uh, you know, on, on the iPhone or whatever gaming device and encourage time outside in, in activity. So our children will increase in stature. And then Luke continues that Jesus also grew in favor with God and man. The word translated favor, I think, in nearly every English version is literally the word grace. And so that, that emphasizes uh, gifting, and it em emphasizes thankfulness and gratitude. It's emphasizing that Jesus increased in his relationship with both God and his fellow man. And so those two things might suggest that Jesus grew spiritually as well as socially. And so Jesus reaches the age of about 30 and he begins his public ministry and he has grown up in a family in which he has experienced a well-balanced growth and maturing process. He's grown intellectually and mentally. He has grown physically and if he was the typical carpenter of that day, he would have been a big, muscular kind of guy. And he grew spiritually, and he grew socially. It was, it's no wonder that he was prepared then for his public ministry. But among those four things, is there possibly one thing that might be a little more important. Uh, I came across in preparing uh, some thoughts for today a, a poll that was conducted back in uh, 2015. And the question was simply asked, parents, what do you really want for your children? And this survey was conducted over 16 countries and it included over 5,000 parents. And so, statistically, very significant. And here were the top five responses. Be happy in life. Lead a healthy lifestyle. Earn enough to enjoy a comfortable life. Be successful in their career. And fulfill their potential. All good things. Lori and I desired the same things for our two sons. And, and I think as, as parents and grandparents, and again, those of us who, who have an involvement and an influence with children, we want the best for them. But when it's all said and done, as important as these things might be, what is most important? It's that relationship with the one true God. For me, perhaps the most sad text in all of Scripture, the one that I believe is most alarming, and particularly in, in this context of our Think Orange series. It's what the historian says in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Joshua has faithfully led God's people into the promised land. 
Inheritance have been assigned. Things are going well. Joshua has assembled all of Israel together and has challenged them to put away the gods of their ancestors and the gods of the surrounding nation and choose to follow the only God, the one true and living God. But that text tells us that after the death of Joshua and the elders that lived among him, that there arose a generation who didn't know God. That just seems incredible to me. Arguably the most faithful generation in the history of Israel somehow failed to teach a younger generation. And so the rest of Judges, we, we find kind of depending on how you count, 13 or 14 times this cycle of sin, punishment, Repentance, God sends a deliverer, and then it starts over again. And that book kind of ends with this summary. In the days of Israel, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own sight. Kind of sounds a little bit like the relativistic world in which we live today. So bottom line, church... Apostasy is always only one generation away. Thus the importance of teaching and impressing upon our children. There is one God. So as I, as I think about this, and I think about what the Israelites were going through, and how they constantly forgot about the one true God. We as parents, we as people forget things as well. We forget what the overall goal, what the overall purpose, what in the world we're supposed to be doing in that moment. Uh, for instance, I kind of see it like this. Any given day out at Woodall Field during baseball season, as you're walking into the entrance, right there to the left is, is the t-ball field. And there's all these little kids. you got like 20 in the outfield. Which I don't think they're supposed to be 20 in the outfield, but there is. Half of them have their glove on. The other half have their glove on their head and their, their finger and their nose. And a ball is hit to outfield. As, as, as like any kid at that age, they all suck to that ball and they, they, one of them grabs it and he's holding it and he's not sure what to do with it and the coach starts yelling, throw it in, throw it in, and the parents in the, in the stands start yelling, throw it in, throw it in, and he's just sitting there and he's really confused and he doesn't know what to do and everybody's yelling, throw it in, throw it in. And the coach kind of starts to lose sight. He's getting excited. He sees that the, the runner has now finally made it the first after he went to third. And he's rounding first, and he's going to second. And now the coach is jumping up, trying to get attention, and he's yelling, throw it in, throw it in. And you can almost hear this anger kind of to arise. And the parents in the, in the stands are yelling, get it in there, throw it, throw it. Meanwhile, the kid 
with a ball in one hand and something on the finger of the other. He's not too sure which one to throw. <laughs> and the parents start to think, ah, I don't know if my kid's going to make it to the pros. But we need to practice. Maybe it looks like this. You're home from work and your kid's got homework. And he hollers for some help. Mom or dad, please, please come help me with my assignment, with my homework. I'm really confused. I'm not understanding this. And so you turn to him. He's a little distance away from you. You say, well, what homework is it? And in the dead silence, they say math. <laughs> and it's as if as you're walking to the table to help him, the theme from Jaws is playing overhead. Dun, 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 dun. And you sit there and you start to work with your kid on this math homework. And he doesn't understand what he's supposed to do. And he says, the teacher's doing this and, and telling us to do this, but I don't really get it. And you try to show him that. And, and he says, no, it's not that way. That's not how you do it. And, and, and these decimals to fractions are just now your worst nightmare. All right, Gavin, I'm not talking about the other night. It's completely irrelevant. And before you know it, your kid's frustrated, his hand's on his head, the book's on the floor, and you're griping to him about how he doesn't clean his room. We lose sight with our kids sometimes of what in the world we were there in the first place when we stepped up to help them. When we went to the ball game, we lost sight of what in the world we were there for. And it's not just parents. Parents aren't the only ones. We do this as a church or in the church, too. I know of one church that, that they were working on a program, a drama skit program, and these two ladies who were involved in this, it's not here, by the way. I need to stress that because what you're about to hear is crazy. All right. And so they're, they're working on this drama skit, and they start to get frustrated because they, they have a major difference of opinion of who should play the main role. And so they take that discussion and they continue and they make it out to the parking lot to where they have a fist fight in the parking lot about a drama skit. Leadership training for what? We lost sight. And we do that with our programs in our church. We do that with traditions. Jesus was facing the same thing. He's walking with his, his disciples well, I say one of the first youth groups. And they're through this field and they grab some grain and they start to move it in their hands and, and pop it in their mouth because they were hungry. They had been traveling at a distance. Some people see that and say, wait a minute, your disciples aren't washing their hands. And Jesus looks at them and says, you've lost sight. You're not, you're not remembering what's most important. It's not your traditions. It's God. It's God that's what's most important. It's him being the one true God in your life and in our life is what's most important. I want to be real careful now. As I say this and as I, I finish with this, I don't want anybody to feel like this is a judgmental statement because I'm guilty of this. And it starts off real innocent. See, when your child's born, 
They come in there and they tell you their measurements. How long and how heavy. See, I'm not really good at, at that. When, when my buddy Jody called me he, and he had his last kid, I told my wife and she says, well, well how, long, how, how long is the baby? I, I don't know. Well, how much does it weigh? I don't know. Was it a boy or a girl? I don't know. It's a baby. <laughs> He's got a baby, all right? Now, if it's a fish, guys know that, right? Five pounds, 22 inches, right? But from the time we bring our children in, we are measuring them. But whose yardstick are we using? Whose ruler are we using? Because it doesn't just stop there on day one. When we're at Woodall or we're in the gym, we're measuring our kids. Are they strong enough? Are they fast enough? When they're in the class, are they educated enough? Are they going to get that scholarship? And you know what? We put a lot of stock and making sure they measure up to the world's standards constantly. And God comes in and he says, listen, it's not about that. You're missing the point. Let that go. As Joyner says, if they don't really know, and if they don't really do what really matters, then anything they do doesn't matter at all. If they don't know what really matters, then what they do and what they know doesn't matter at all. Do we know the one true God? Are we measuring our children up to Jesus, to that measurement? Are we putting our stock and our energy into that? I'm not saying that, that sports and extracurricular activities are bad or wrong. In fact, I think they're good. The last game that I saw my daughters play in high school, I can remember it to this day, sitting up in the stands. It was against Mount Vernon. They were playing at Paris High, and I can remember the clock ticking down and the feeling of sadness of this, is, this part of our life's over. I love coaching my son in basketball, but at the end of the day, what they really need to know is that the Lord is one. Joyner puts it this way. It will be heartbreaking if your children enjoy the benefits and prosperity of a better lifestyle, live in a land flowing with milk and honey, and become experiential rich, but never really know God. Do our children know God? And do we do we spend our time and energy in what really matters, in the one true God? Those things are good, but good is not God. So maybe you're struggling that in life. Maybe you're struggling with the priorities. Maybe you're struggling with what to do and how to organize it. That's why we're here. Again, we have widened our circle. And if you need any assistance, we have this time where you can come as we stand and sing, or you can pull any of us out at any time. Let's sing. <laughs>